This is Chris. Welcome to episode 110 of X-Lapsed. And uh, I'm sitting here looking at this weird water that keeps coming out of the sky here. It's not something we see very often uh, out here in Arizona. It's a very rainy afternoon. Now, is there anything better than, you know, cozying up with a great comic book on a rainy day? Well, in theory, yeah, that's a great thing. But uh, in practice, the book we have today... Oh boy, let's just get into it here. This is the X-Men Free Comic Book Day 2020 special. Now, it had a July 2020 cover date. The story is called Free Comic Book Day. I guess maybe it doesn't have a title. I don't know. Written by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard, with art by Pepe Larez. Colors, Marty Gracia. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Bisa white Sabolski. Cover price is free. And it's actually still free uh, digitally, if you'd like to find it. Uh... You know, after this episode's over, I'll let you guys decide. And this one was released on July 15th of 2020, at least according to all the online sources here. I don't think I got the book until probably a month or two after that. I totally forgot that Free Comic Book Day was a thing last year, so I didn't even know this was there. But let's crack this thing open. And we open up with a single-page spread of creds, thankfully, because, I mean, the story is only, like, six or seven pages long anyway, so it's a good thing we didn't waste two. I don't know why we wasted a whole one, but, hey, what are you going to do? Then, into the comics, I think. Uh, We're in a forgotten place at a forgotten time where four figures step out of a portal of sorts. Now, they're led by what appears to be a woman with a fish mask, or maybe she just has a fish head, uh, this quartet includes a pair of Egyptian-looking, semi-antler-headed beings and a minotaur with a broken horn. Now, the minotaur steps forward and, while speaking in tongues, draws out a sigil. From it emerges a great reptilian scale, sort of like a Lovecraftian horror or something. Then the fish-headed woman, I, I think, transforms the horror into something a lot smaller and more manageable? I don't know. Then the foursome head through another portal, and they're headed to meet with Saturnine. You still with me? Because I I can't tell you which way is up right now. We shift scenes over to the Starlight Citadel, and it looks like the uh, weirdo foursome have arrived, maybe? They're here. They're somewhere. They they emerge from another portal, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know where they are. They're somewhere. Saturnine appears, maybe in the same place, maybe not. And she's handed a box by a green-haired woman with a crescent moon floating over her head. Now, inside the box are tarot cards, which will take us to the end of our very brief story. Now, Saturnine's flipping through the deck here, and she comes upon the card of judgment. And the pages here are like a 
like a 70-30, or a 30-70, I should say. Very small, narrow uh, top panel featuring Saturnine flipping through the cards. And then the whole bottom, port, but the bottom like two-thirds of the page is the card. Okay, so the first card is the card of Judgment. On it, we see Apocalypse and the Creepy Summoner stood before the external gate, which we just saw, right? We saw this uh, in the nearly as impenetrable as this issue, uh, X-Men Volume 5, number 12. The next card Saturnine draws is the Four of Wands, and I think this one features the original Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, or of Apocalypse, I guess, who I want to say we saw during the Krakoa origin story back during Hoxpox, and then again during X-Men number 12. The next card is the Hanged Man, and it symbolizes sacrifice. The card features several characters. Uh, Perhaps one or more of them will not make it out the other end of X of Tens? I don't know. Now, those characters include Apocalypse, Beast, Richter, Glob Herman, either M or Trinary, Trinary, however we're calling her, Havoc, Banshee, Angel, and Polaris. The next card is the Eight of Cups, and it's a split scene depicting Apocalypse's wife Genesis and Amanth's own annihilation. They're kind of split in the middle here. You see one each, each half of their face makes up one head. And we saw them for we saw them go at it for about a half second over in X Men Twelve. Now the final card is the X of Tens or the Ten of Swords. It depicts ten X Men and uh, believe it or not, they're all carrying swords. They are Apocalypse, Kid Cable, Wolverine, Magic, Betsy Britton, Quanon maybe or maybe Gorgon. They look like uh, katanas, so I'm assuming it's one of them. Uh, This one's in the shadow, so you really can't see anything besides the the gleaming of the swords. Uh, Storm, Doug Ramsey, Magneto, and on the far right in the back, there's one with a bucket head. And it can't be Major X, could it? I mean, is he bringing the Sword of X to X of Swords? I, I don't know, but that might make this entire thing worthwhile. Anyway, Saturnine comments that there will be an unexpected loss... And a betrayal. Which, I mean, this is a Marvel crossover event, so you don't really need to be able to read the tarot in order to make an assumption like that. Uh, That's it. (laughs) That's the end of this one. There is a second story in this giveaway, part of Marvel's Dark Ages event, which may or may not have actually happened. Search me, I couldn't tell you. We'll leave that for other shows to cover and discuss, because I don't have any interest in Iron Man. That's that. Uh, Next episode, finally... X of Swords creation. So, uh, I suppose we should probably try to talk about this one, huh? Well. (sighs) You know, I purposely kept this one to right before our X of Tens, X of Swords coverage was, uh, you know, about to begin. I haven't even opened the thing since first flipping through it at the comic shop whenever I picked it up. Maybe September, maybe uh, maybe August. Uh, I saw that it was sword-related. And I figured, okay, I'm gonna hold off on this. You know, I'm not gonna not gonna spoil anything. I mean, this was either very very early in X lapsed or right before I finally decided to do it. So I didn't want to ruin anything. And you know, clearly, I would have zero idea what was you know what this was gonna be all about coming in cold, right? I mean, this is not the most inviting book, right? So, coming in fresh, I wouldn't have had the slightest idea what was going on. On the other hand, I, I tell you what, 
I've probably spent over a thousand hours immersed in all things Dawn of X over the past 150-ish days, right? And, well, I still haven't the foggiest friggin' idea what this was all about. Well, maybe not zero idea, but, I, but I'm damn close to not knowing what's going on here. Uh, this feels very much out of nowhere. And, you know, that's not only a failing of this issue, but it's a failing of the entire concept of Free Comic Book Day. Now, let me talk as brief as possible about Free Comic Book Day and my, my thoughts about Free Comic Book Day. Now, I'm a guy who's in the comic shops a lot, and I have been for decades at this point. And I don't need to make sure everyone knows that I do my part for comics retail, right? It's just something I do. Now, there's a reason why several of the shops that I visit regularly refer to that first Saturday in May as Pretend You Care About Comics Day. Which is not to be confused with Pretend You Care About Comics Week, which is held in San Diego every summer. Now, these offerings are being handed out to folks who have very little interest in ever darkening the doorway of a comic shop again. At least not on a day that doesn't begin with the word free. They're here to pick up free stuff, snap a picture of it, get a little bit of social media karma for being, you know, lol comic geek... Then they're going to toss whatever crap they were handed into the backseat of their car until they remember to throw it out. It's not a perfect system, is it? What it is, however, is an opportunity. Just like we've talked about that impenetrable Claremont X-Men story that showed up in the TV Guide issue around the time of the first X-Men movie, and what a missed opportunity that was to grab any new readers, this is yet another. If you were X-curious, or maybe even X-lapsed, just what in the world would you get out of this story? I mean, picture it. Someone maybe in their 30s or 40s, wandering into the comic shop for free stuff, or maybe they've got kids who want to go get some free stuff and they're coming along, and they come across this issue and they say, hey, you know what, I loved the X-Men cartoon back in the 90s. Or maybe... You know, they watch the New Mutants movie, and they see magic prominently featured on the cover, and they're like, ooh, I want to see what this is all about. They pick the thing up, they take it home, they sit down and open it, and they get this. This. We've talked a lot about the outdated concept that dictates that every comic could be somebody's first, right? I mean, we've said this before, and we'll say it again. The ship has surely sailed. And when it did... It was as though the industry had just resigned itself to the idea that it's hit critical mass, right? There will be no more new readers. I certainly can't hold a current year part four of six chapter to the standards of an issue of Uncanny that we'd get during the Jim Shooter era, right? You know, razor, sharp adamantium, unbreakable adamantium claws and all, right? But this isn't a part four of six, is it? This is a free comic book day gimme here. This is a book released for free on a day that really ought to be about expanding the readership. And if this were to be a successful outing, this issue would need to have been, you know, actually readable. And before I move on, yes, there are 10 out of 10 ratings for this story. So I hope your karma farming was successful, folks who gave this a 10 out of 10. Hell, maybe it's just me. Um, I will give Marvel one thing. At least this was new. It was a new story. It was difficult to read and off-putting to someone who's been immersed in the Dawn of X stuff. But 
at least it was something new and it's leading to something else. I swear, it beats the hell out of a twice-out-of-continuity story that DC trots out just because it happens to have Harley Quinn on the cover. Because those help nobody. If you get that Harley Quinn book and you love it, and then you go to the store for the next issue, they're like, oh wait, no, that was in 2010. That was in 2011. And you need to find... You're going to need to navigate your way to a back issue bin, find out which volume of whatever book you're looking for is, pay the extra price for it. Nobody's going to do that. That's usually the DC method, and it has been for several years now. Now, that's not to say that this, the X-Men free comic book day from 2020, necessarily helped anybody. And if I were to hazard a guess, I'd say it likely resulted in very few, if any, new, new readers to the X-Books. But... At least it's heading somewhere and kind of has a reason to exist. That said, let's talk about what we get here. It's not much. It's not much, is it? Um, For Hickman devotees who love seeing generic alien types gobble up panel time in superhero stories, you're going to dig the hell out of this. For other world enthusiasts who dig seeing Saturnine shuffle her deck, well, I guess there's something for you, too. For X-Men fans, well... Better luck next time. Uh, For potential new readers and people who want to try and get into the hobby, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, that other corner of the comic shop has those True Believers comics there. You know, um, they're really cheap. They're not free. They're really cheap. So consider grabbing one if you can part with a dollar. I think you'll get something that uh, you may actually be interested in coming back for more of in that case. And I really... Don't mean to be so negative on this book. I I don't mean to be negative on any book, really, but this was a tough read. This was a really tough read. And again, I I mean, I hate using the uh, the pandemic as a scapegoat here um, or to, to use it to qualify things here, but we don't know what the original plans were and the original timetable for the books to come out. So had the world not grinded to a halt and these issues came out in the time that they were supposed to come out, maybe this would have made complete and total sense. Maybe this would have just been a refresher. Maybe this would have been more inviting to uh, to seasoned fans and lay folk, right? I mean, who's to say? I'm basically just, just spitballing here uh, to try to maybe lessen the sting a little bit. I don't know. But uh, this was a toughie. Uh, this is, as I mentioned, for free on Comixology. I'll try to remember to include a link in the show notes in case anybody else would like to maybe give it a try and maybe help me out a little bit. Maybe if it's uh, something you really, really dig, tell me why, right? Now, speaking of telling me why, how about we hop over to the mailbag here, because I really don't have much more to say about the free comic book day issue here. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about Wolverine number 5. Now, he starts, Congratulations on your 100th episode spectacular. And thanks to Jesse, I now have a new theory. The resurrected X-Men are edited to have their teenage personalities. It fits their general lack of inhibitions and finally explains Jean's costume and codename choices. I could even combine it with our previous theory that the real characters are in suspended animation and everyone is a clone. You know, stranger things have happened, and I could totally see... You know, I could see Marvel getting cold feet over... The thing, the direction of any of their comics, right? They're not quite as reactionary as DC is, but uh, they've been known to flip and flop. So if Marvel editorial or marketing gets 
maybe a wild hair that this just isn't going the way they want it to, or they're afraid of how they're going to get themselves out of it, we might get that ending where everything's a clone. Everybody's a clone, and all the real ones are safe and sound, and they haven't been killed and killed and killed and killed. I mean, stranger things have happened. Damien continues, On to the Wolverine story. Can I be the first to ask for a return to the version of Dracula from Paul Cornell's Captain Britain series? Dracula only really works for me with a hearty dose of camp. This grim, dark nonsense just annoys me. I've never read that. I, I do have it. I do have it, but I've never read it. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things. Let's see. Is that the Captain Britain in MI6 or MI13 or MI something? <laughs> I think that's the one, but uh, I, I've been meaning to get around to that. Maybe one of these days it'll be a... Uh, a Brit-lapsed uh, sort of a Sunday special or something here, because I definitely missed it. But I'd be curious to see the uh, depiction of Dracula. They're not that Dracula really does anything for me in any sort of incarnation, but I mean, this is this is kind of, like you said, grimdark, and that's a very very good way of saying it here. Damien continues. I could no prize the ride or die comment by explaining that Wolverine is very very old and is attempting to use a modern phrase to be quote, down with the kids, and doesn't understand it. He thinks it means go away or I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, boy, ride or die. Um, yeah, I probably overused that joke during that episode here. For folks who might not have heard that one, um, Wolverine's getting dragged around in a brick of ice by a bunch of teenage vampires, little vamp kids, and he winds up busting his way through, and the first thing he says to these kids is, ride or die. And, I mean, I, we went to Urban Dictionary, we went to the Plain Old Dictionary. I don't know why he said ride or die. <laughs> it just felt very, uh, like, one of those things like, hey, it's really cool to type this, and it's really cool to say it, but what in the hell does it mean in this context? So, I think we're going to give, uh, we're going to award Damien the no prize there, that, that Wolverine is just very, very old and out of touch. And maybe he saw that in a tweet somewhere and decided that uh, he would use it at the next uh, possible Opportunity. So there's that. Um, <laughs> Damien continues. I've read the bit with the rainbow as being related to Thor. I haven't been reading any non-X Marvel recently, but it felt as Guardian. Maybe one of your other listeners can confirm or deny my theory. Oh boy! If only, if only. Let me, let me, uh, let me, let me vamp for a minute here and pop over to the old. Email box here where I saved A little bit about what Those rainbows are all about Here our friend Andrew Franklin Says He gives us good news and he gives us Bad news all in one sentence here It's it's bad news because it's Pretty awful but it's good news Because it's something we're never ever ever Going to have to talk about Andrew Franklin says the epilogue With the rainbow is a Fortnite tie in It can safely be ignored I don't know what the hell a Fortnite is. I know it's a video game, and I know there are stupid dances and stuff. I've never played it, and I don't know anyone who has played it. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's apparently what these rainbow um, deals are. We have we, have, we saw one at the end of Wolverine number 5, and then we saw one... Oh, boy, which book was it? Where Storm and Quanon and... Uh, it's not Spider-Gwen. Gwenpool. Gwenpool are taken away by a uh, rainbow. And I guess that's going to be a tie-in to a video game. Hopefully it doesn't come with a Dawn of X banner, so then we will never, ever, ever have to read it. Uh, Damien wraps up with, Anyway, until Dracula does veganuary, make mine X lapsed. 
Well, thank you so much, Damien. It's always great to hear from you. I really, really appreciate you being part of this show. Uh, next up, Andrew Franklin is talking about Hellions number four. Now he says, I had to sit with this issue for a while. It again brings up the questions we've been asking since the beginning that might have been quiet for a time while our protagonist dealt with Russia and space nonsense. The mutants come back in clone bodies, but we're asked to believe that they're more than just clones, that they are real, the real X-Men. It starts to have all the unsettling cult behavior make more sense. Repeat after me, they're not clones. They're real. Say it again. Louder. All it takes is the belief that the resurrected are more than clones to make it the truth. And perhaps the Krakoans need that to be true to avoid an existential crisis, to avoid becoming just like Madeline Pryor. I said before that I thought Madeline was just rehashing her plot from Inferno, but I see now that those same story that some story beats, those same questions about Madeline's existence have a whole new context when held up against the new status quo. Huh. Very, very interesting here. I've been on this sort of path of thought, right? But I don't think I ever had it laid out quite like this here. The culty behavior that we that we found unsettling from the start, right? From what was it? Uh, House of X number five, was it? That uh, where the where the, the big shoe drop issue, where Storm is, you know, you know, who are they? Mutant, mutant. You know, they're real. They're real people. They are the same as they ever were. And here, Andrew paints us a picture here that uh, really makes you stop and think here, because. They are just clones, right? They are just husks that were grown in eggs and had brains, de- they had and had memories downloaded into them, right? But we are to accept them as, you know, this is the same Wolverine that that showed up in Incredible Hulk 180, right? This is the same Cyclops who showed up in in X Men number one back in 1963. This is the same Nightcrawler who showed up in Giant Size. These are the same characters. And, I mean, they look like them. They sometimes act like them. But are they? Huh. Interesting, right? Um, And you juxtapose that with Madeline, who is a clone, right? She is a clone. But how does that make her any less of a person than a reborn Wolverine or a reborn Nightcrawler? It's very, very interesting. Now, Andrew continues, Is X-23 still a clone of Wolverine, or did that get retconned? It got retconned. She is now a, uh, what was it, a genetic, not a genetic, maybe a genetic copy? A genetic double? I don't know. But they uh, they revealed, and I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, they had revealed in an issue of one of the Death of Wolverine miniseries that came out after the Death of Wolverine that there was enough... DNA from oh what what was her name Sarah is it Sarah Kinney is that their name is it is it Kinney <laughs> I don't know but uh, Sarah and Wolverine have like equal amounts of uh, of genetic what materials in X twenty three so she's basically Wolverine's daughter um, Andrew continues even if so isn't Gabby her sister just a clone of her yes honey badger or scout or whatever it is is a clone of uh, Laura 
Also, aren't these Stepford Cuckoos clones of Emma Frost? Yes. Don't they also have a bunch of spare Xavier clones in storage for Proteus to use? I ask then, where's the line? You've talked a lot about how devalued life has become to the mutants, and now they're deciding who counts as having a, quote, real life. In the end, Madeline's worst fear came true. Very true. Very, very true. Uh, Madeline just wanted to be remembered. Well, she wanted to be remembered for being real, for existing and being her own person. Being a real girl is what she said, and... Hey, the tribe has spoken, right? The Quiet Council said, no, no, no. So, yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it? And I'm wondering where the line is. Is it just, is it all out of convenience? Is it, is it going to be explained somewhere down the line? We have that Way of X series coming out uh, not too long from now. So I wonder if a lot of these phys- uh, you know, philosophical and existential questions will be addressed there. I, I hope they are. I hope they are. I think that's going to be a very interesting read. Uh, Andrew continues. This was a great end to a story that I wasn't fully on board with until this issue. I wonder if Sinister fought hard not to have Madeline resurrected. I still don't know what Cyclops really felt about this. I hope this stuff lingers in the book for a while and isn't just dropped because we have magic swords incoming. Yes. (laughs) I hope so, too. I really hope that we do uh, keep these... You know, keep these stories bubbling and keep these ideas, not even stories, just the ideas, the, the discussions, the, uh, the concepts. I hope that once we're out the other end of X of Swords, that maybe we will uh, start addressing these things. Uh, I don't know, like, I really don't know what the whole line's going to look like coming out of X of Swords. Uh, we saw today in our... Our flimsy free comic book day special here that there you know that there is a betrayal maybe incoming and death speak incoming so we might have a whole different kind of landscape coming out the other end of this thing in like a month so uh, we'll find out then <laughs> we will see if uh, if any of these uh, these wonderful ideas are uh, are brought back into uh, into the the discussion. Now, Andrew wraps up with, So, until we see Nanny give Sinister a much-deserved spanking, make mine X last. <laughs> yeah, the Nanny and Sinister scenes, I, I'm i sorry, I think they're hilarious. I, I feel bad about myself for thinking that they're so funny, but they catch me off guard, even though I know they're coming. But, uh, yes... I think we, I think we actually might see that scene as a thing. So you never know. But thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts and, and giving us that food for thought, there, Andrew. Next up, we're going to go to Evan Bevins, who's talking about the resurrection protocols. Now, Evan says a question I keep meaning to ask you and any of the other listeners who might know. Now, this is a good one. Does the larger Marvel universe know about the resurrection protocols? You questioned why the Scarlet Witch would try to bring back the Genosian mutants in light of that, and you're right. At the very least, it would have made sense for her to say she was hurrying the process along. I don't think that's something Xavier has made public. But then again, it could have just been part of his psychic address from Hoxpox, and I just missed it looking for Maggot in the crowd shots. And you know, that's an excellent question, which I might have taken for granted. Um, Now, you know, I do feel... Like, there have been throwaway lines every now and again about how the mutants can be resurrected, like people know it. But, you know, I might actually just have a little bit of confirmation bias there at this point. I I could swear I saw it. Like, 
I don't know, maybe we've been seeing missed messages in as far as who knows and who doesn't know, which makes me a little bit more confused than ever. Like, I'm trying to think of exact specific examples I can cite here. Um, Like, I think when those fanatics at the Red Tavern, like the anti-mutant support group at the Red Tavern in Wolverine number uh, four... When they were trying to think out a, think of a way to take out Wolverine, I think they mentioned something about mutants not being able to die anymore. And that's why they just decided to like drop him in the lake and freeze him in ice. I think. Maybe I'd have to pull the book out. But then again, I mean, when Xavier died and came back, they kept that a secret, didn't they? Or they at least put a little PR spin on it. Maybe it's just like one of those secrets, like the worst-kept secret sort of thing, where it's not confirmed, but everybody kind of knows it. I really don't know. I'm really going to have to pay better attention to that. To tell you something, to, to tell you all something that's kind of embarrassing about my earliest X fandom here and is a true sign of my inattention to detail. I remember early in the Grant Morrison run, he had uh, Professor X come out as a mutant on television, right? And uh, people online were like freaking out about that. And I was just like, What's the big deal? And, uh, you know, I learned that, well, people didn't know Xavier was a mutant. And I was like, what? (laughs) I always thought people knew. So uh, maybe I'm not the most perceptive all the time, or much of the time, I guess. But, uh, yes, I will definitely have to pay better attention to that. If anybody listening uh, does have any help with uh, with Evan's question there, please, please feel free to uh, let us know, to keep us in the loop here and, and share with the rest of the class. Now, Evan continues, Maybe this has been addressed further along while I'm still hovering around the Wave 1 number 1s. Resurrections being a state secret could also explain why more guest stars didn't show up for Call Me Kate's funeral in Marauders number 11. And, you know, that's as good an explanation as any, right? And again, I'm not sure who does and doesn't know. Because, like, I'm trying to think here. We, We haven't really crossed the streams much. With the greater Marvel Universe at this point here Maybe I do know that there are several X-Men Prominently placed on one of the King in Black issues I think it's issue number four So I wonder if during that book You know, of course this is Assuming that the cover has anything to do with what's going on inside the book Which is a crapshoot But if we do see the X-Men talking to Say, Captain America Say... I don't know anybody And uh, they talk about the resurrection protocols Or it's alluded to that people do know Then I guess we might have an answer then The only thing I could think of now Is, you know, we do have the psychic address Right? I don't remember exactly what it said I really probably should have dug it out But like I've said a few times so far uh, We're in the middle of a move So everything is kind of just boxed up And pushed into a corner So I do not have access Or as easy as as access as I'd like To confirm or deny all that But We did have X-Men plus Fantastic Four Franklin did spend some time He spent the, you know a few minutes on Krakoa So we might assume That he would know a thing or two I mean if he's on Krakoa He'd have to know about the hatchery Right? Especially with as powerful as he is He'd probably have some sort of He'd probably know a thing or two And so you'd assume that maybe Sue and Reed would know And I mean if that's the case I, I mean the Avengers would probably know And if if they know Then Wanda would surely know as well. I, I really don't know 
I really don't know. We need help, folks. <laughs> if anybody knows, please, please help us out. Evan continues. As for Jesse's observations about religion and Marauders number 11, I think the Kirkcullens are generally dismissive of religion because they view it as a human construct. And while the desire for a uniquely mutant culture makes sense in the story, it sounds more like something from the beliefs of Apocalypse and Magneto than Professor X and the X-Men. Which doesn't rule it out, but it seems like some of the characters we've discussed before, like Nightcrawler and Wolfsbane, and hey, haven't we seen dust around? They'd question this a little bit more. But I hope it's more of an in-story reason than a disdain for religion among the writers. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I hope that there are reasons for this. And like I mentioned, we do have that Way of X book coming out, which is supposed to be focused on, on the mutant religion. And... It's going to feature Nightcrawler, and I'd have to assume that we're going to see some, you know, I I don't want to say editorializing, but uh, I'm going to assume we're probably going to see some religious editorializing. Um, but we might get some answers there in, in as far as the uh, dismissive uh, take on religion that so many of the characters have shown throughout the run to this point. So we'll put a pin in that for now and uh, revisit it, I think, in... March? April? Sometime this spring. I think Way of X is coming out with, uh, I believe it's Simon Spurrier is the writer. I don't know who's, who the artist is. I don't remember. But uh, I think Simon Spurrier is the writer. But that will do it for our mailbag this time. I don't want to thank everyone for, uh, for sharing their thoughts and uh, for reaching out to say hello. It really, really means a lot. Now, uh, if anybody would like to reach out and say hello or say anything, Please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics or WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com, also xlapsed.chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com. You can talk with us about all the stuffs at 90s X-Men on Facebook. It's Facebook.com slash groups slash 90s X-Men. I think. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think you just search 90s X-Men, you'll find it. Uh, you can listen to a whole bunch of audio over at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And that, my friends, will do it. I want to... Uh, I feel like I always apologize for having um, negative thoughts about a book that we're covering here. But, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that this was the most brilliant thing I've ever read. Simply because I didn't understand it. You know, I think uh, a lot of us may think that things we don't understand are just beyond us and not... Maybe just not well told And I don't think this was A successful gimme A successful free comic book day gimme here I think if anything it would have scared people off Then enticed them To uh, to come into the X-Books cold And try Reading X of Swords Because Oof, I mean this This book, this free comic book day gimme Had, had like prerequisite courses You needed to read All of Excalibur all of X-Men Volume 5. And I mean, that's a mighty big ask for a gimme. You know? Uh, in dollars, in time, in just effort. So yeah, I do not feel like this was a successful outing for Free Comic Book Day. I feel like if you wanted to give potential newcomers a tour of the Dawn of X uh, landscape, there were better ways to do it. There were certainly better ways to do it, to give people a little bit of comfort, a little bit of grounding, and uh, maybe a feeling like, hey, I could start these books and understand them and enjoy them, rather than just giving us an X-Men story that features 
no X-Men outside of appearing on tarot cards. Eh, maybe it's just me. But uh, hopefully your mileage may vary, <laughs> and you guys might have dug this a lot more than me, and maybe it got you suitably hyped for uh, X of Swords. And uh, if that's the case, I, uh, I envy you, because we're about to go into it, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel. So we'll hope for the best, as always. We'll be optimistic cautiously and hope for, uh, hope for you know, good things. But that's where I'll put a pin in it. I'll finally... Shut up at this point uh, After I thank everyone for sharing their time with me today It really, really means a lot to me And as always, till next time I will talk to you all again Real soon See ya <laughs>